If you haven't had a chance to look into the Bible this week, um, we're going to do that together. Let's open into um, the Old Testament, 2 Samuel chapter 11. But before we get too far into that, I'd like to pray with us. Second Samuel chapter 11. And let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we see these words in black and white. We see lots of books that are printed in black and white. But for some reason, you've chosen to express your love to us in these words in the Holy Bible. You've given us stories and characters to look at. You've given us instructions. And you've communicated how much you love us. Lord, help us to know a little bit more of who you are, what you're like, and, and how we can be because of who you are. So this morning, Lord, as we open this word, would you enlighten us? Would you... Would you it's basically we're coming face to face with God and we want to be changed because of that. So speak into our hearts and to our lives. We pray these things in your name. Amen. I had a discussion a little late last night um, with a gentleman who asked, you know, what, there's the God of the Old Testament and a God of the New Testament. And the God of the Old Testament was like, you disobeyed me, I'm killing you. And so God would kill off his people because they disobeyed. He would send diseases as punishment. He would let other nations capture the Israelites who were his chosen people. And when the people were not obeying God, then God would say, here's your punishment. This is, I'm a God of justice. If you follow this, this, and this, you'll be fine. You will have pro- you'll be prosperous. You will, you will win wars. You will have, have plunder. You will have uh, just, just great things will come if you listen to me and if you obey. But we as silly S-T-U-P-I-D people, we don't always do that, do we? We might for a little bit, but then we kind of forget and kind of get in our ruts. And so Jesus, or so God, um, has this character quality called justice. Justice is being fair and being reasonable. <clears throat> if you do this, then this. If you don't do this, then this. And following out with that, right? That just seems just. If a judge goes up and says, you broke this rule, Here's the punishment that's written down. It is only just and fair that I give you this punishment. That there shouldn't be any arguments about that. That's, that's what justice is. And one of God's characteristics is that he is just. But we're going to look at three different stories this morning. And we're going to see how those stories are played out. And whether justice or grace or mercy is played out. So 2 Samuel, Samuel chapter 11 <clears throat> Story of David. He is already king. It was the shepherd boy who killed Goliath, who won wars, and now he's made king. And he's sitting out on, or, or standing, I don't know what he was doing. He was out on a, on a patio, and he looks down and, well, you might not know the story. Maybe you do. But he looks down and he sees a lady, and she's taking a bath. And he finds her very beautiful, the Bible says. So he calls to her. Well, he, he says, hey, who, who's, who's that pretty lady? And it uh, turns out her name is Bathsheba. Why did God say that the lady Bathsheba was taking a bath? I don't know. Is, it, is, that, is that his humor? I, I found it funny. So she was taking a bath, and king calls to her, and, and he 
spends some time with her, and she gets pregnant. So that was interesting, because now she says, hey, King David, I'm, I'm pregnant. <clears throat> so David does a couple other things. Check this out. 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 6. David sent this word to Joab, who was like his commander in the armies, because, and you see in verse 1, the kings should go to war, but David was home because they were at war. I don't know why he was not at war, but he should have been, but he wasn't. Verse 6, send me Uriah the Hittite, and Joab sent him to David. When Uriah came to him, David asked how Joab was, asked about the war. I'm going to summarize here. Basically, what's going on in the home front on, on, in, in the battle? Uriah gives the, the, the report, and David says, okay, why don't you just take it easy? Why don't you go on home? You know, spend some time with your wife. Trying to cover his tracks here, right? Why don't you go home? Uriah is such a man of God and is such a man of honor, he doesn't. Why should I have a bed and the luxury of being with my wife when my men are fighting for our name? I won't do that. Long story short, here's the summarization of this. David sees Bathsheba, watches her bathe, sleeps with her, gets her pregnant. Then he says, maybe if I give Uriah a little too much to drink, he will, you know, cover my tracks a little bit. Uriah doesn't even, that doesn't even face him. The Bible says King David got Uriah drunk, and still Uriah had more honor. So since he wouldn't go that way, David sent Uriah into the hottest part of the army and the, the battle, and then tells Joab to pull the army back to leave Uriah there, and Uriah gets killed. So, watching a lady bathe, gets her husband drunk, gets her pregnant, and then kills him. That's King David for you. This is a story in 2 Samuel chapter 11. So, with that being the crimes against him, how is justice or grace and mercy played in? Hold that thought. Let's jump forward to Acts chapter 5 in the New Testament. It's right after the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. In the book of Acts, chapter 5. Here the church is celebrating. Jesus has already come. Jesus has already gone back to heaven. And now the church is reigning. And and they're they're, they're finding great success. They're listening to God. You know, similar to the Old Testament. When they listen, God helped them prosper. And people, in this, right before chapter 5, people were selling their goods, giving it to the poor, saying, here, the church, this is what we need to, here, here's what we have, and we give it to you. And so Ananias and Sapphira come and say, hey, no, we have all this land. We're going to sell a portion of this. We're going to sell this land, and we're going to give all the money to it. Summarizing again, they get a little bit more than what they said. Let's just say it was $100,000. It's not, but let's just say. We're going to get... Church, we're going to give $100,000 because we sell this land, and they end up getting, let's say, 120000 And so they get the 120000 keep the twenty grand, and take the 100000 to the church. Still great, right? But what they do is say, this is the money that we got from the sale of our land. And the disciples said, no, that doesn't sound right. You're lying to the Holy Spirit. And God kills them on the spot. His wife who came over and said, yep, this is what we had. We had $100,000. We'd given it to the church. And the disciples said, you could have kept it. It doesn't matter how much or what you gave, 
But the fact that you're lying to the Holy Spirit, you're going to be joining your husband, and she, she dies. Interesting. The third story we're going to look at is a story with Jesus. Turn back a couple pages in the book of John, chapter 8. John chapter 8. Basically starting in verse 3. A woman is caught in adultery, brought to Jesus. And the rule, the justice, the law was, if you're caught in adultery, then you are killed. That was the punishment. So the woman is brought before Jesus, and the, guy, the teachers and the Pharisees were saying, hey, we're going to get Jesus. We're going we're to have him administer justice in this case. <clears throat> Jesus says, he who is without sin, then you cast the first stone. So this woman caught in adultery, she was brought before Jesus. And Ananias and Sapphira, they had, they had this story of selling $100,000. And David had his whole slew of what he did. How then do we look into the scriptures and find out who God is because of his justice and what God does because of his grace and who God is because of his mercy? How do we take from that story what we should look like? When you read into scripture and you find these stories, these aren't just stories to make you feel good or make you feel bad. It's to, it's to demonstrate what God has done and, and the whole, through the whole time of existence, what God is doing to reach out to us. God is a God of justice. In the Old Testament, he did have that. And for some reason, we see in the New Testament a different story or a different way of, of, of handling sins. And one of God's characteristics, while it is justice, it is also grace. We sang about God's amazing grace. What makes it so amazing? Well, basically, grace and mercy are really close, so pay close attention to this. When you have grace, it's unmerited favor. So if, if this is the standard, you're getting grace, you're getting more. You're getting something that, that you didn't really deserve. So grace is unmerited favor, getting what you don't deserve. But then there's the other side. It's really closely related, but it's mercy. And mercy is, this is what you should get, but you don't get it. In the light of, you should get punished, but you're not, I'm, I'm going to withhold punishment or withhold judgment. So grace is unmerited favor where you get what you don't deserve, but mercy is withholding punishment, not getting something that you do deserve. So let's take this kind of out of a biblical context and, and into the world and how we live from day to day. <clears throat> For instance, what you shouldn't get and you don't get should be okay. For instance, I'm running a race, I get third place, I shouldn't get the first place trophy. I shouldn't get first place, I don't get first place. Linear, right? I mean, that's, that makes sense. But what if you look at the other, say, you, what you should get, and then you do get it? For instance, well, it could be positive or negative, a speeding ticket. Let's say you're speeding. I should get a ticket. The policeman gives you a ticket. You should get it. That makes sense, right? That's being just. Now, let's take this back into more of the biblical frame of reference because the Holy Spirit does something different than what the world talks about. 
the Holy Spirit and God talks about grace and about mercy, which is not in our nature. That's something that we have to ask God for. So for instance, something you shouldn't get, but we do get, is eternal life with God. As a sinful human race, we shouldn't get heaven, and yet he gives us grace, unmerited favor, something we shouldn't get, and that's sonship. That is being adopted into God's family. That is heaven. We shouldn't get it, but we do. That is God being grace. And then what we should get, what we should get for being a sinful person, a sinful race, and yet we don't get it, God's being merciful by saying, you don't have to go to hell. In fact, I will withhold my punishment, and I will love on you, and I will be merciful to you. It is a beautiful thing to know that God is a God of grace and mercy while still being a just God. So let's go to our three examples again. <clears throat> David had a slew of sins. We find back in 2 Samuel chapter 11, <clears throat> the prophet Nathan comes, at, not accusing, but accusing, says, hey, so here's the situation. I know about it. God told me. And David is faced with his sins. Nathan says in chapter 12, verse 11, This is what the Lord says. Out of your household, I'm going to bring calamity upon you. Before your very eyes, I will take your wives and give them to one who is close to you. He will lie with your wives in broad daylight. You, what you did is, is in secret, but I will do this thing in broad daylight before all Israel. Then David said to Nathan, this is King David saying, I have sinned against the Lord. So he repents. I, I see the sin that you're showing me in my life, and I have sinned against God. Nathan replied, the Lord has taken away your sin. You are not going to die. Can you imagine what, the, what that really would look like? Because when you kill somebody, you should be killed. That was the Old Testament law. When you were committed, committing adultery, you would be killed. And so here, God is showing mercy because it says you are not going to die. But, verse 14, because you have, you, by doing this, you have made the enemies of the Lord show utter contempt, the son born to you will die. So there still had to be a punishment, but it was a merciful punishment, if we can even think of it like that. David's life was spared. God showed mercy to David. Does that make sense? Let's look at the second story, Ananias and Sapphira. Here's 120,000 that I'm giving to the church, and that's all we got was just the 100. And God takes their lives, both Ananias and Sapphira. So that was just, yes? You lied to God, then punishment is deserving. Let's look at the woman caught in adultery. By law, by the being just, she should have had her life taken. And yet Jesus says, and this is a beautiful thing, let's actually go to it, John chapter 8. Jesus bent down verse 7, when they kept questioning him, he straightened up and said, if any one of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone. Verse 9, at this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, older ones first. They knew that they were sinful people as well. Until only Jesus was left, with the woman standing there. Jesus straightened up and said, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir. Then neither do I condemn you. Now go and leave your life of sin. So when Jesus had all right and all authority, 
to do away with this sinful lady. He says, I don't condemn you. I'm showing you mercy. But go now and leave your life of sin. So these three stories, we understand that God is a just God, so he should punish, and yet he shows us mercy. And so that when we don't deserve something and God does it for us and show us favor, God is gracious. So here's how this can apply to us in our lives. That today, tomorrow morning, this week, keep your eyes peeled. I guarantee you, God will provide some form of mercy to you. That God will show how gracious he is by giving you things you don't deserve. Keep your eyes peeled. Read the word, understand it, and then watch God work. So what have we done that God, that God has shown grace to us? What has he relented because of his mercy? Keep your eyes peeled. You'll find it. Then post it on Facebook or send it, send it to us in the email. We want to know about it. We want to know how God's been merciful to you be, so we can celebrate with you. We want to know how God has been gracious to you. So how, how you're just abundant. You, you were hoping to get one, one job and you got two. Or you were hoping to get a little bonus because you got a big bonus. We celebrate those things as a church. That's what makes this community work. We tell the good things. But here's the, here's the, here's the way to go about doing that. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16 says this. Let us approach the throne of grace with confidence. What does that mean? Let us, our people, approach the throne of grace, so God's kingdom, who we already know is a, a kingdom of grace, so that we may receive mercy, again, withholding punishment, and find grace, God's favor, in our time of need. Let us approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace in our time of need. Anyone ever begged for mercy? Anyone ever needed some grace? Maybe an extra dose? Go to the throne. Go to God's kingdom, and he'll give it to you. And then God, working through people, will show it to us in our lives. So when that happens, tell your testimony. Send it to Pastor Rex. Send it to me in an email. Stop by in the, uh, in the, for the, in the office. Post it on Facebook. I, I, this, I'm serious about this. This is how we build each other up, by showing what God has done in our lives. And then you just simply, when you're in that situation, you go to God's throne and say, God, I need grace. Will you give it to me? God, give me mercy. Will you give it to me? To close, I'd like to look at one last scripture, share one last story, and pray. Ephesians chapter 2. This is one of the books that Paul writes to the church in Ephesus. So we call it Ephesians. Again, it's similar to like Bathsheba taking a bath. It's the Ephesians to the church in Ephesus. So that makes sense. You can find that out by Ephesians 1, 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. So we know who's writing it. We know who it's to. Let's look at Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 10. Now again, who is he addressing this? Who, who is the recipient of this letter? 
the saints in Ephesus, the church there. So this is one of the things where we can kind of say, okay, this is written to the church. We're the church. This can be for us. Ephesians 2. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. By raise of hands, who has sinned this week? I'm joking. Don't raise your hand. The Bible says we have all sinned. You were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air and the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Verse 3. All of us who also lived among them at one time, gratifying the, cra- the cravings of our sinful nature, whether that's watching a lady bathe or the, if, whether that's killing somebody or if it's lying, all of those n- sinful natures, their cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath, so we should have been punished for these things that we've done. Verse 4. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, can you say mercy? God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. We should have been punished, but God was merciful to us. Thank you. Thank you, God. It is by grace, and you have been saved. Everyone say grace. Verse 6, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Before we get to verse 7, think about that. Us as a sinful people... Ones who, who live among sin, who, who walk through sin, who sometimes bathe in sin, have been lifted up to the holiest place in the presence of God through Christ Jesus. Because of his grace, because of his mercy. And while through his justice he should have punished us, when he should have given us the, the eternal life apart from him, God sends his son Jesus and says, listen, I'm showing mercy to you. Here is me being grace. Verse 7, in order that the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in the kindness to us in Jesus Christ. So if you need mercy, you need Jesus. If you need grace, you need Jesus. And that's, that goes for the sinner and the not sinner already. I've, I've been a sinner, I'm a sinner, but I've come to know Christ in a personal way. And when he gets a hold of you, you get to experience his mercy. You get to experience his grace. That's where the story that I will close with comes in just for a demonstration verse 8 for it is by grace you have been saved through faith listen to that again for it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this not of from yourselves it is the gift of God so God's just given us the gift of faith not by work so that no one can boast it's not like you know I only like killed two people instead of like 10 so I'm better than you I probably should go to heaven no you committed a sin The punishment is death, but God says through the person of Jesus Christ, I forgive you of those sins. Here is my mercy. Here is my grace. I give it to you. For we are God's workmanship. Man, that'll get you up in the morning. We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, not to give those cravings and those sinful desires, not to give in to those things but created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Church, it's your job. It's our job to be the church outside of the church. It's our job as the church to be the church to the the people inside the church, to love on them, to show them grace, to show them mercy. Yes, somebody sinned against you, but show them grace. Show them mercy, because in doing that, you're not doing craving, you're, you're not falling to those cravings of the simple desire. You're following what Jesus said. 
For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Church, let's do some good works. Let's be gracious. Let's show mercy because we know God is gracious. That God is merciful. So back to that uh, one of the, the four, you know, we shouldn't get so we don't get it. What we should get and we do get it, that was the speeding story. <clears throat> one of the first couple weeks that I was working here at True North, uh, mind you, I live in Holland, and uh, the office is in Wasion. There's a little bit of a, of a drive. I love driving. I love driving. I hate going slow. Just saying. Dan can attest to this. Slow and me don't get along very well. So when there's a chance to go fast, I enjoy going fast. When there's a chance to go the speed limit, when the person in front of you is not going the speed limit, I try to take that. You know that part on airport where it's two lanes, but then I guess due to some accident way back when, it narrows down to one, like right before, if you're heading that way, right before the airport, it goes down to one. Well, during that one, the person in front of me decided to go 50 and a 55. And I was on my way actually to close on our house. So this was early April. Down to one lane, going 50 and a 55, already a little behind. I didn't have much grace or mercy or patience this morning, that day. And so soon, and, and I'm saying as soon as that lane starts to open to two lanes, you know that double yellow line that kind of goes around and then you have that dot of white lines that you can, you can pass them? Man, I passed them. And I didn't make a spectacle of it like, you know, hey, go, you go faster. I didn't do that, but I accelerated. I accelerated. So the policeman caught me going 72 and a 55. Now, I'm not defending myself, but I have one of those little tracker things in your car to see how, how you drive. I get, I get 0% for <laughs> discount because of how I drive. <clears throat> but my max speed on the highway was 71 point something. So I don't, I don't know that I could have actually gone that speed, but was I speeding? Yes, I was going over 55. I'm not, I'm not saying I wasn't. <clears throat> but to plead my case, I went to the court instead of accepting the ticket. Took the ticket to the court and I said, all right, so here's the data on my, char my, my car. I printed it out and, and they didn't even care about that. They looked at my driving record and said, you've actually been pretty good for a while. Um, so instead of going 72 and a 55 and like a couple points and really close to get, taking your license away, um, I'm going to make it a very minor, minor uh, moving violation. So instead of having a ticket and paying couple hundred dollars, plus the court fees because I went to court, um, they changed it to a $5 fee because of, well, a minor, minor violation. And uh, that was merciful. I should, I should have paid the whole, had to pay the whole thing. But in that, I recognized that God was taking care of me. And I appreciated that. So I thanked him many times. But you know how I can, how I can thank him in, in the real world? When I was at that court, when I was sitting in there waiting for my name to be called and all these other violators were sitting there and they wanted to plead their case, this lady with her like four-year-old daughter walked up and she had a $30 fine. And she said, excuse me, judge, I can't pay that right now. Um, can I have an extension? He said, I'll give you 30 days. She said, I don't know that 30 days is going to make it. Can I have 60 days? And... I don't, I don't know about you, and maybe, maybe money's tight for you, and I understand, but, but I can come up with $30 in faster than 60 days. So I'm thinking about this. I'm like, oh, that, that's, 
Is, is that the state that some of these people are in? My heart breaks for them. God take care of them kind of thing. And then I go out to pay my court fee, which again is like $110 anyway. So I owed like $115 instead of $300 something. So I, I'm having this. I have my checkbook out, and the lady in front of me is the same lady with a four-year-old daughter. And she's requesting the slip that says that she has 60 days. And I, I come up while she's waiting for her slip, and I say, is there any chance that I can write the check for $30 for her? Because God's blessed me, and I can do this. And so I write a check for $30, give it to her. She doesn't need 60 days. God took care of her that way because the church is rising up, being the church. It's a small thing, but it's a way that we can show grace and mercy. She said, why are you doing this? I don't, <laughs> it's actually kind of funny because I said, miss, can I pay your fine? She says, no. I said, no? She said, no, no, I, I don't know you. I don't know what's going on. I said, okay, here, here's the thing. I'm a pastor in Wauseon. I grow to True North, um, but that, I, I'm a Christian. And I've been, God's been gracious to me. And he's blessed me with enough money to be able to cover your $30. Would you accept it? She finally said yes. So I gave it to the clerk and her debt was paid. Has your debt been paid already? Are you facing maybe something tangible right now like a speeding ticket? But I guarantee that every one of us is facing an eternal punishment. And Jesus is that mediator. Jesus is that check that gets us out. Jesus is that person who exemplifies grace and mercy. So church, we were created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. It's time for the church to step up and be gracious. It's time for the church to step up and show mercy. God can show his justice in the final days. Let him do that. But let us be grace. Let us be mercy. Because God, you are. You are mercy and you are grace. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we can, there's so many mixed emotions when we think about your grace and mercy. One, because we need it. And so we cry out for it and our hearts are burdened with it. And the other is when you show up and you are gracious and you are merciful, God, we, we're joyous. We're, we're excited. We, we, we have to post it on Facebook. We have to share it and tell our story. So these mixed emotions, God, we, we're somewhere on that spectrum. But we're going to do exactly what your word says. Let us approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace in our time of need. But God, this change of grace and mercy doesn't come naturally to us. So we ask for you. We approach the throne of grace and ask for your grace and your mercy. And God, that you would change us from the inside out so that we can give you glory. Not to, not to do it secretly and, and receive your grace and mercy and hoard it to ourselves, but Lord, to tell other people, to share in our communities, to express what a good God you are and how much you love us. So God, change us from the inside out. And even though we fail, we can stand in your presence. In your name we pray. Amen.